0: section fifty three of the inheritance by susan edmonstone ferrier this librivox recording is in the public domain volume two chapter nineteen i am not a man of law that has my tongue to sell for silver or favour of the world john knox the following day mrs st clair was confined to bed with a severe cold and rheumatism the consequences of her walk the preceding day all was anxious expectation on her part and gertrude's for the answer from mr ramsay but the post arrived and brought only a note from the joyful lily announcing the day of her nuptials and inviting her aunt and cousin to be present at the celebration as mr larkins had no vote a civil refusal was immediately returned this disappointment was only a passing knell as the thought suggested itself that uncle adam might not think it proper to trust a bill for five hundred pounds to the post and would most probably send it by a special messenger by her mother's desire gertrude therefore stationed herself at the window to watch the arrival of any one likely to be the bearer of the important dispatch not sister Anne herself looked with more wistful eyes, or was oftener called upon to declare what she saw. And when at length she descried the identical old red hack chaise belonging to the white bear rocking up the avenue, not Bluebeard himself, sword in hand, could have caused greater consternation. This was an evil Missus St Clair had never contemplated a personal inquiry set on foot by the awful uncle adam was an idea too dreadful to have entered into her imagination and when it was announced that mr ramsay wished to see miss st clair alone her agitation was almost too much for her although trembling herself gertrude yet tried to soothe her mother into calmness and having again and again assured her that she would not betray her that she would take the whole responsibility upon herself she left her to obey the summons but her heart failed her when she reached the door of the apartment where he was and she stood some minutes with her hand on the lock ere she had courage to turn it at length she entered but dared not lift her eyes to the cold sour visage whose influence she felt even without seeing she tried to say something of trouble and kindness but in the agitation of her mind she could not put a sentence together she could only invite him to sit down and that she did with trepidation but instead of complying mr ramsay drew from his pocket an old black leather pocket-book from which he took gertrude's letter and showing her the superscription asked is that your writing it is answered gertrude in a voice scarcely articulate and we your ain freed will and knowledge she could not reply but in silent confusion bent her head and you're in want of five hundred pound gertrude's colour rose to the deepest carnation while she faintly answered i am mr ramsay gave something betwixt a hem and a groan as he drew a paper from the very inmost pocket of his venerable repository and held it out to her then suddenly drawing back and looking sternly upon her he asked you're no gone to flee the country speak the truth gertrude felt her very temples glow at this ignominious question and without speaking there was something in her look and gesture which dispelled the old man's hasty suspicion there's the money then said he in a cold bitter tone gertrude involuntarily shrunk from the ungracious-looking hand that was scarcely extended to her take it cried he in a still more angry voice take it but you maun take this along wit i would rather he parted wi five thousand ay five times five thousand than that such a letter should he come frae you and tearing it in pieces he threw it into the fire oh do not say so cried gertrude in great emotion and catching his hand as he was about to leave the room i mon say what i think i'm no on the the folk that can say a thing and think anither i'm disappointed in you yet if you knew if the circumstances mr Ramsay shook his head ay ay circumstances that's I the cry but they maun be ill circumstances that need all this concealment, even frae your ain mother. The time may perhaps come," cried Miss St Clair in increasing agitation, "when I shall be able to convince you that I am not to blame. In the meantime, if you will trust me, dinna think it's the money I care for interrupted mr ramsay i value that five hundred pound nay mair than if it were five hundred chucky stains but i'll tell you what i valued i valued you and i valued your truth and your openness and your downrightness and i'm disappointed in you oh do not judge so hardly of me cried gertrude the time will come when you will think better of me the time a uh, a man a uh, threescore and ten will no be very lang in this world we'll maybe meet nay mair but before we part there's a thing i maun tell you trust me ye'll ne'er by true friends Nor true love nor true happiness, oh any kind with money. So beg and borrow and spend as you will, but mind my words, do not oh, do not leave me in displeasure, cried Gertrude, bursting into tears as he was again moving away. I feel nay displeasure against you i'm only vexed and mortified and disappointed i had tan a liking to you but as the old sang says whene'er you meet a mutual heart gold comes between and makes them part it was gold that parted me frae her that was all the world to me and it was a pleasure to me to like you for being like her but gold 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 has parted us next gertrude had been prepared to stand the burst of uncle adam's anger but there was something in his querulous sorrow that went to her heart there is indeed a feeling inexpressibly painful in adding to the afflictions of the aged and heaping fresh sorrows upon the hoary head many a bitter drop must they even the most prosperous have drank in the course of their long and weary pilgrimage and woe be to the hand which would willingly pour fresh gall into the very dregs of their cup some thought such as this filled gertrude's heart even to overflowing my dear kind uncle cried she as she again seized his hand and even pressed it to her lips with reverence while her tears dropped upon it oh that you could read my heart mr ramsay like all costly people thought it necessary to be more severe as he felt himself getting soft it might soon be better worth reading than your letter but there need be nay mair said about it let by gains be by gains but can you will you forgive me i hae nothing to fogee i tell you i value the money nae than the dirt beneath my feet but i'm vexed i'm mortified that you should hae brought yourself to such straits already at least in mercy suspend your judgment that's impossible suspend my judgment that's ain't o your fashionable phrases you seem to think a man can suspend his judgment as he would hang up his hat i canna help judging o what comes to my ain knowledge and i judge that for a baron like you to want five hundred pound without the knowledge o your ain mother or any relation you hate canna be right it's no possible i maun be a born idiot if i'm no fit to judge o that and your letter i wad rather hey scrap it the mool for my bread as i wad hey blecket paper to beg for siller and taking up his little old bare shapeless beaver he was moving away gertrude saw with grief it was in vain to attempt to clear herself in mr ramsay's eyes he was evidently no less displeased at the demand than disgusted by the manner in which it had been made indeed in proportion as he despised money himself so he seemed to despise those who set any value upon it and while he literally looked upon his purse as trash nothing enraged him so much as a direct attack upon it i am very unhappy at having lost your good opinion said gertrude in a tone of deep dejection but nothing shall ever make me forget your kindness my dear dear uncle may god bless you mr ramsay made no reply his heart yearned to the image of his beloved lizzie and he was on the point not of taking her to his breast for that was a weakness he would have blushed at even in thought but of holding out his cold blue jointless hand and of according his forgiveness he however checked himself as he thought of the magnitude of the offence and the encouragement it would be giving to that in his estimation the most heinous of all offences extravagance with a sort of repressed wheel wheel and a small wave of his hand he therefore moved on without betraying his emotion and seated himself in his old chaise satisfied that he had done his duty in discountenancing vice by being as disagreeable as possible how rarely can we judge of people's hearts by their manners and how seldom do we see the manner suited to the action except in skilful actors or untaught children how many a soft smile covers an unkind deed while it sometimes happens that we meet with acts of friendship from those who would be ready to bandy words with us as a dog but how much is it to be regretted when charity and goodwill thus assume the garb of enmity and when kind-hearted people convey their admonitions in a manner calculated to make us dislike the reprover even while we admit the justice of the reproof on the present occasion mr ramsay's roughness and asperity produced no corresponding emotions in gertrude's gentle heart she felt only regret and sorrow at having been the means of embittering the scanty measure of the old man's enjoyment and of having she feared for ever forfeited his good opinion and affection section fifty three